0: Okay, if you're able to stand, please stand. We're going to look at a psalm today, Psalm 137. I'm going back to my kind of Anglican roots here. I've given it a subtitle, Don't Look Back in Anger. as a kind of a, a bit of a Manchester kind of um, thing there. Yay! Um, but we're not going to play that. It is a different song that you're going to know it. And I couldn't bring myself for us to sing the song that it actually is. It's Psalm 137. Um, but you'll recognise it at most of us. It depends on a certain age, to be honest with you, potentially. But I think every will have heard it, even if you didn't want to. Um, Let's look at the psalm. What we're going to do is do this responsively, which means, it's basically, I'm going to read a verse, an odd one, and you're going to read the even one back. Is that okay? It's like a response thing. Okay, so, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks wow take a seat we're going to a dark dark place (laughs) you can tell that's like what is that in the bible that verse is like what why is that in the bible it didn't finish nicely at all and we've been in this psalm series we've been looking in this uh, God's playlist if you like there's all these different kinds of songs and uh, this psalm Psalm 137 we're not, there's not many of them in the, in the psalms but there are some of them uh, is a word for your crosswords this is these are what are called imprecatory psalms say the word imprecatory. an imprecatory psalm is basically one where you're saying get them God it's like get them get them get God if, you know I want you to get them i want you to get those people for what they did that's basically what an imprecatory psalm has that sense of i'm so angry i don't know but get them just just get them my friend kingsley just coming in yay hello friend how are you good you might wonder why God would allow these kind of psalms to be in his songbook. That's what we have to try and figure out. But if you've been to this series, you're going to know that in the same way that we have different seasons and situations in our lives, there's kind of different psalms for different feelings and different occasions, the place you find yourself in. And there are times, if we're honest, when we sometimes feel angry. And there's times when we, you know, some of the words in these psalms, my reaction on a a different day might be like, really? How, How can that be okay to say that? How can it be right that this you can have a psalm that sounds a bit more like a gangster rapper try to get his enemies back or whatever than than the nice ones about sheep and um, you know and the streams and all that and green pastures? But this is because the reason like the sad ones we've had some laments they're like the sad ones. The reason they're in psalms is because there are times when we feel like that. Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones said the Bible is the most honest book in the world. It Doesn't try and gloss over things and pretend that they're not there. It's real. And being real about how you feel is how you start to heal. Being real about how you feel is how you start to heal. So, hands up. Close your eyes for a minute so nobody else looks. Just hands up. Close your eyes. Hands up. If you've ever felt like, I just can't really sing, I can't really worship in church, I can't do it. I don't mean just because you don't like the song or it's not the right key you don't like how your voice sounds or whatever but it's a heart thing, not a voice thing like you just felt it. Like you couldn't really sing along with those songs close your eyes, hands up if, that you, if you've ever felt like that okay, open your eyes keep them up, keep them up, keep them up just be honest, have a look round we've got to be honest, it's alright great, that's a lot of people and the rest of the people who don't feel that, you know i never felt that wow, come and tell me how because because there's times when i've definitely been like that and i'm leading the church you know why do we feel like that why is that well as we look at psalm 137 i want to pull out some of the reasons why we can sometimes feel like that that it's hard to worship number one it's hard to worship when you don't like where you are you don't like the place you find yourself in worship can be hard when you're in a new place when you feel like it's the wrong place where the circumstances suddenly change and it's like hard to worship through tears and the author of this isn't named, but some of you do know the old Bony M version of it, so you could probably sing along to most of it. It starts, <laughs> by the rivers of, Stop but something happens and it kind of gets distorted and changed because in verses 1 to 3 this is the situation basically the location that he's at he doesn't like the place where he is by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion there on the poplars up on the trees we hung our harps for there our captors asked us for songs our tormentors demanded songs of joy they said sing us one of the songs of Zion he doesn't like where he's at Historically, this is a psalm written from a place of exile. For centuries, God's people have been ignoring his commands. They've been doing their own thing. They've been going their own way. They've ignored all the prophets that God has sent to warn them. If you carry on doing like this, you're not going to be able to remain in this land. You're not going to be able to stay in this place of blessing. You will be removed unless you're obedient. And they don't listen to that. And they don't want to hear it. And they say that's not really God. And then, one day... The homeland that they love is invaded and they're taken away as captives and slaves to Babylon, to modern day Iraq. And they were there for 70 years, forcibly removed from their homeland by an invading power. And now their dreams have all gone with that. We wept we wept when we remembered Zion that's another word for the hill of Jerusalem the city of God the place where the temple was the place where God had showed his glory and shown up the place that they thought well it it can never get better than this this is like they you know they got David ruling and they had Solomon after him they're just like these were the glory days this was amazing and then this army comes in and conquers and captures and trashes it all and takes them away in exile as slaves and so now they're looking back in anger they're looking back at what used to be and you know what i found you'll never enjoy today looking back at yesterday especially when you're looking back with anger in your heart how you wanted it to be how it used to be how you really just wanted it to stay why couldn't it have stayed like that number two it's hard to worship when people mock you Psalm 137 describes the taunting of their captors. See, as far as the Babylonians were concerned, they'd won, their gods had won, and the Israelites' God had lost. That was it was a competition. Fair contest, our gods beat your god. Your gods rubbish. Our gods won. And so they're they like the song they're singing is like, You're not singing, you're not singing, you're not singing anymore. That's what they're doing. That's basically what they're doing. They're taunting them, because as far as they're concerned, you're losers. You're losers. So let's hear you sing that song that you used to sing about how God blessed Jerusalem, and how Jerusalem's so great. <laughs> Come on, you're not singing anymore. You know, if you, if, you, if you get to be a Christian, if you get to follow Jesus for any length of time, before long you're going to discover that actually it doesn't make you immune from pain. It doesn't mean that you're, everything's always going to be joyful and wonderful and great. And people sometimes who oppose God love that. I don't just mean like Richard Dawkinsy kind of people. I mean the guy at work, the the, the 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 person who calls you a God botherer. You know, because you're like, oh, why and why and it's like, why you still got a church? What you got a church for? And and after that thing happened, I thought you prayed. I thought you'd prayed, why did that happen then if you prayed? I thought God liked you, how come he allowed that thing to happen? This is the kind of thing that people want to, to rub it in. All that praying never helped you, what good is God to you now? That's basically what's going on in this psalm. And that's why, as we've heard, that's why it's good to look at the whole of the psalms, because this is a word, but it's not the final word. You know, it's the last one of the psalms. And there's other ones in there for when, you, when the mood is upbeat. But then there's other ones too that are sad. And there's other ones here like this. For when you, when you kind of have to change your tune a little bit. So the psalmist, what he says is, actually, I'm going to hang up my harp now. He's like, you know, I'm not going to pick up my guitar anymore. I'm not going to do that worship stuff anymore. How can I? In verse 4, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? And I don't think he's asking this question because he expects God to answer. I don't think he's looking for somebody to come along and give him a three-point sermon to encourage him. I think actually he just wants to be able to say it. Like, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can just join him with a song. And he, he actually wants to just express honestly what's going on in his heart. And I think the fact that he can ask the question of God is the answer. It's the only answer that he's going to get at the moment he doesn't need a lecture about how worship isn't about him he's not expecting God to speak and tell him five great things about Babylonian rivers I think he kind of expects God will agree with him a bit that this is a horrible situation that yeah this feels unfair and confusing I think he maybe he feels he knows God enough to expect to hear it just to be able to talk to him about how it is, and he's like, you know what? Just today, I don't think I can sing here. I feel like, I feel too angry. I feel too confused. I'm in pain. I can't stand the place that I'm in. Who could sing? I don't know if I could sing with all these people having a go at me. You know, not here, not now. There will be a time for singing, but it isn't me, and it's not now, right now. I, I, this is for me a time of weeping, and if that's where you're at today, it's all right. God understands. God just wants you to be honest. He wants an honest heart more than he wants a loud harp. He wants to hear your heart not your harp. God gets it and we get it and uh, if that's how you feel, feel it. Really feel it because when you feel it you get to reveal it God starts to heal it. And what do you you know what it's called when you weep and you cry to God when you find yourself in a hard place? It's called worship. Because it's hard to worship now when the past seems better than the present. What do you do when it looks like and it feels like the best days are behind you when it seems like it could never be as good as it used to be? The songwriter may be physically now living in Babylon, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, he's actually living in a different place. He's dwelling on the past. That's where he's strug- That's why he's struggling today and he's scared about tomorrow because he's, he's just thinking about what used to be. He's looking back at the glory days, the golden years. Everything was brilliant then. Why did it all get messed up? Everything was so good then. But actually, the, what you find is, I do this. When they end up like that, I focus and on, I only remember some of the good bits. I don't remember the hard bits. I don't remember the moans that I was doing then. <laughs> I just remember how great it was. Oh, Cine World. <laughs> Starbucks. Escalator. I didn't even have to walk. You know, and you could go. Big place. Loads of room for kids. That's amazing. You know, most comfortable seats. Nobody like there in front of me. I could stretch out. I could do that. Some of you you were there. You're going there in your head now, aren't you? You're actually going there in your head. And he's like, his mindset means he actually refuses to leave the memory of Jerusalem behind of how it used to be. And he actually says this, that's always going to be the height of my joy. Which sounds noble, but actually it's really deadly. Verses 5 to 6. Read, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Not God. A place. A time is his highest joy. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm never going to forget that. I'm never, let me forget how to play my instrument let me never sing another note again because I'm, that was the best and it can never be better than that and I've seen this happen when unwanted or sudden change comes into our lives and the past just seems better than the present when you're grieving because some people are excited as we're talking about going through services here, some people are like excited by change some people's reaction will be like this <laughs> other people will be like oh, what are we going to do? what are we going to do? how are we going to do it? And that's good. We need both kinds of people because we need the people who are going to be up for it and just go for it. And to be honest with you, like me, haven't got the brains to figure out how difficult it is. And you've got other people who are going to go and there's, there's, there's people who are, met, it's called mismatches. Some people just, if you look at a row of things, 10 things, some people are going to say, oh, nine of them are the same. Somebody's going to go, well, one of them's different. It's not good and bad. It's just different. We need both. We need the matchers and the mismatches. We need the people who are going to go, oh great, it's all, going to, it's all fine, it's going to work. And we need other people to say, ah, but it's only going to work if you do this. And together, God gets it done. So don't go feeling like you're negative just because you spot things that are wrong. But don't just keep sticking on the things that are wrong because the job is to help to make it right. That's why God wired your brain like, like that. Our brains are wired to see what's wrong most of the time. Your brain is, is designed to scan the environment and any change is often perceived as a threat. It, it could be a saber-toothed tiger. That's the way it's basically gone. <clears throat> actually, no, it's not a saber-toothed tiger. It's, we're going to two services. <laughs> so it'll be okay. But the psalmist, he feels so fed up. Actually, he's like, I don't even want to put my harp up now. And he, he can't come to terms with the new normal. He said, I'd rather choke on my words than join in that song with everybody else some of us know what that feels like I'm not just about church I mean maybe it's the the loss or the breakup of a relationship or the breakdown of your health or all kinds of possible changes can produce a reaction where basically you end up taking offense in some way the change comes and you're like why couldn't it just stay like it was? Why do they keep messing about with stuff? Why, does it, why couldn't it have just stayed like it was? And I get that. And of course, as I said, the temptation with the past is always to make it a golden age. To be able to say, oh, it was all so much better then. That's what he's doing. But the fact is, the past that you long for is probably not the past that you actually experienced. So when you're in a strange place. When you're feeling like the best is all behind you. When you're fearful about the future because it's so confusing. And it's a bit scary. You can do what the psalmist has said. You can hang up your harp. As long as you pour out your heart to God. Be honest about it. Because when you start to reveal. You start to heal. What you feel. And do you know what you call it. When you don't pretend anymore. But you just bear your heart as it is. Honestly to God. It's called worship that's worship it may not be the worship that you would like to offer but God likes to hear that heart more than he hears a harp and now can we go too far with this kind of honesty is there a line you can cross well if we're taking the psalmist as our example remembering that God let all of these psalms still be in his book and he didn't take this one out It seems we can go a lot further than people might be comfortable with that I might be comfortable with. Because verses 7 and 9 as we read them together. God contains some of the most disturbing words in the Bible. But they're still in because they're real. They deal with how we feel so God can start to heal. And what they deal with is actually one of the most common obstacles to worship. That I think many people wrestle with. It's hard to worship when someone hurt you when people have hurt you and when you're honest if you're honest rather than deny it rather than push it down you want God to somehow deal with your enemies the people who hurt you it's hard to praise God when you're waiting for him to settle a score in verses 7 to 9 the psalmist focuses on the people that he holds responsible for bringing him into the place that he's in that he doesn't want to be those people who are laughing at him because he's in a hard place the people who took away his past and are now trying to take away his future first he says the Edomites now the Edomites were a tribe of of long-standing enemies of God and they loved it when Jerusalem got trashed and when the wall started tumbling down and so he says about them get them God go on just get them like they got us Remember, O oh Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. We can understand that feeling, can we? But it gets deeper, it gets darker, because now, as he looks back in anger, anger tends to do this, as he, as he points at those who did the destroying, not just the people who were watching the destroying, he says, get them and their kids. you know we read it didn't we oh daughter of Babylon doomed to destruction happy is he who repays you for what you've done to us he who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks how come that's in the Bible call this a worship song what about turn the other cheek well this is the imprecatory bit get on God it's brutal how are we supposed to understand these kind of words see if we're going to be people who do justice to the Bible we have to think hard about it And the key to understanding is in verse 8. Happy is he who repays you. For what you have done to us. What happened to him. What happened to his kids. He's saying I want that to happen to them and to their kids. He's expressing the broken heart that any good parent. Whose child was ever abused or victimised feels. The question after a genocide. The agonised shout for justice after the Manchester bomb goes off. Some people would be surprised to find verses in this bible some people would prefer that it wasn't and again again kind of go well that just gives ammunition for people who say the bible is untrue but to me this does the opposite because this actually shows how true the bible is because these words are disturbing because they're so painfully honest they're here because our heart does get torn and hurt when people hate us and when they hurt us and hurt people hurt people. When when enemies laugh at us and other people mock. When we've been cheated or slandered or lost it all. When somebody tramples our heart. There's this cry inside of us honestly for revenge. A woman came to the first king of Saudi Arabia. Ibn Saud. To demand the death sentence for the man who killed her husband. He'd been up a palm tree picking dates. And he fell out of it and he landed on the woman's husband and killed him. Ibn Saud looked into it. He said, has the fall been intentional? She said she didn't know. But all she did know was that she could demand the man's blood as compensation. Payback. The king told the widow, I don't think that would really help. Because what you really need now, your husband is gone, is support. And you could actually get money. And this man can support you for the rest of your life. And otherwise you and your children are going to be without support. The widow insisted. She said, I, I want... To t- I want to take his life in the same way that he took my husband's life. I want to get him back. Ibn Saud said, it is your right to ask for this man to die, but mine to decree. How? He shall be tied to the foot of a palm tree. Then you yourself will climb up to the top of the tree and throw yourself down upon him from there. And that's the manner in which he will die. She took the money. (laughs) Because she realized if she pressed her rights, she actually lost her life. Like that widow, the psalmist's angry cry for justice is understandable. If somebody hurts you, brings you into a place that you don't want to be, does what you don't want them to do, you, you want them to get what's coming to them. But the problem it seems to solve only creates a bigger problem because if I'm demanding justice of another other person justice will eventually be required and demanded of me. That's why as a Jesus follower while I believe God allows me to, to read that psalm and to sing that song if you like because he knows what's in my heart he'd also want me to change my heart he'd want to help me to change my heart because if I say I want them to get what's coming to them for what they did what about what's coming to me for the things that I've done there's only ever been one only one who could have dared to really have this kind of heart and prayed this this prayer for justice to fall on his enemies without fearing the consequences of justice for himself there's only ever been one who was perfect the pure saviour the Lord Jesus Christ and when he was betrayed in his darkest hour he prayed a very different prayer as they took him by force and took him to a place that he did not want to go as they did to him what nobody would ever want anybody to do to them as they arrested him, falsely accused him mocked him laughed at him, spat all over him flogged him and nailed him to a cross he he said he could have called upon a legion of angels at any moment to come and get them God but instead he prayed Father forgive them including us in that prayer. Because on that cross, Jesus' blood paid the full price that justice demands. My punishment and yours fell on Him. In two minutes, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, just like you saw Lynn's doing the thing. The, and Because I think this is the kind of stuff that calls forth a response. I'm going to ask you to, to raise a hand in here and this could be like a first time thing for you or it could be that actually you realise yeah I've given Jesus my life but I've taken it back in various areas and I want to give it back fully to him because I'll tell you why you should give it to him because he already paid for it so he's paid the price for our messed up sinful lives and only he can give us a new one no sin will ever hold back our, our being forgiven at the cross. Only one thing will. Jesus said it. Holding back forgiveness from others. That's the one thing Jesus said will block it getting to me. So you have to let go of that too. Let Him have that. And do you know what it's called when you find yourself in a hard place? When there's pain in your present and confusion about the past. When you know you could ask God for payback because you're entitled to it, but instead you know that you've been loved and you didn't deserve it. When, You pray something different because you're covered with the blood of Christ. When you bless those who curse you. When you pray for those who willfully mistreat you. You call it grace. You call it mercy. The world calls it a miracle. And you get called a disciple. You get called a Christ follower. Because you're starting to look more and more like him. Because he's changing your heart. And God calls it worship. In a moment I'm going to invite you as you sit there. To give the whole of your life back to God. This is, this is like, I want us to set in these next few months, we're going to set a really high bar of discipleship of what it means to be part of this church. Now, I don't, we're not just coming to church anymore. We're, we're going to go for full on, sold out, all for Jesus or nothing. Go to another church. This is going to be a church where the bar is set high, lay down your life fully for Jesus, Completely. I'll go where you want. I'll do what you want. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. Every single day. Not just so you'll bless me. But because I'm already blessed. Not just. uh, Because the world needs. Disciples. Not just people who became Christians. It needs full on people. And part of that. Sometimes what will hold us back, I found so many people. I'll have a conversation with them. It seems that the thing that often is holding people back in some way is that there's some somebody they need to forgive, and and they could justify all the reasons why they shouldn't forgive. And I'm not saying that in forgiving, you're saying that what the other person did to you was right. But basically, I'm saying is if you let it, if you don't let it go, God won't be able to give you what He wants to get to you. So in giving forgiveness, in giving grace. You give one bit of grace, God will give you a million pieces of grace. And lots to give over to other people too. It's a good swap. It's a really good swap. So in a minute I want you to raise a hand high in prayer. Let it go to the God of the cross. Actually, just while you're sitting there, first of all, make a fist. Because that's your option. Just as you're sitting there, make a fist right now. Squeeze it tight. Because that can represent the ways that... People have hurt you. Could be a person that comes to mind, or just situations that are difficult and places that are hard for you. Squeeze it tight. Or you've hurt somebody else. Because in a minute, I want you to raise that hand high in prayer, and we'll stand up like we did before when we were doing the psalm. And as part of our worship, we're going to let that go. We're going to lift it up to the God of the Cross. We're going to ask for forgiveness of me. We ask God to forgive me and for anybody who sins. That I've been holding against them because there's no other way to be free than that. We live in a broken world where it won't always go the way that we want it to, where people won't always treat us the way that we want to be treated. Communities and families are full of imperfect people who hurt other people. And you can choose to hang up your harp and stay stuck in the past and weep over where you are now and and i mean if you really can't let that go if there's a if that's a broken hearted thing and it's and then we want to pray for you and talk to you about how we can help with that but in the end you know what i've found keep squeezing the fist life's too short this one is anyway squeeze it a little bit tighter today is the day to tell god you're going to let it go because life's too short to look back on anger. To hold on to pain, regret. The sin that I did that holds me back. Or what somebody else did to me. Life's too short to waste even one more day, one more hour. On unforgiveness or bitterness about what I did. Or or regret, recrimination and guilty feelings about what God, what I did to God. So when you bring it to the cross, Jesus can transform it in worship. I often say those words actually when people, somebody did something the other week really really naffed me off And within an hour I just said okay life's too short life's too short to live in the past, I want to embrace the future that God's got for me the Bible says this it says we are given three score years and ten if we are strong 70 or 80 years that is now just look at the weekly plan so every ten years is like a day of the week isn't it you look up at there, think about the week I've done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now I'm in Friday mid-morning how's your weekend looking? some people are given an extra bank holiday you don't know whether God will give you that some are even given an extra Tuesday on the end of it very few get another day but even that 100 years is just like a blip in eternity life's too short to hang on. The stuff that keeps you in the past. Whatever it was. Sin, hurts, fears, anger, you can bring it to the cross to Jesus and be free. Please stand, as the band come up. Cause we're gonna sing and that's called worship, but this is called worship when we bring our lives just as they are to the cross. So as you stand there, remember time's running out for us to sort things out and what we do in life really does make all the difference for eternity life's too short to hold on to anything that's going to hold you back forever and ever and ever so wherever you find yourself now why don't you keep your eyes closed Jesus is here and he's been speaking to you and if there's something that you need to let go of whether it's your own sin or something that was done to you anything that you're angry about or or regrets from the past and all of those kind of things I just ask you to so hold up your arm right now hold it up hold that fist up and when you when you let it go you know what it's called you don't hold on to it anymore you ask God to deal with it to take it away the God of the cross He says Father forgive and just open up your hand and let it go but give it to him kind of push it up to heaven symbolically Lord I want to say today I'm sorry I'm sorry for the way I've sometimes hung on to things from the past that have stopped me from living today and the future that you've got for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you there's always grace for me. Please come and change me from the inside out. Please come and put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Do what I can never do. Heal where healing is needed. Grace to live, to forgive, to give and receive mercy, new life. I give you my old, whatever's old, I give it all to you. I receive new life, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord thank you, I, I can walk out of this place absolutely different, I pray that now Holy Spirit you'll come and you'll lift off lift off whatever's been holding us back in the name of Jesus just lift it off sometimes we've been too bothered about what people might say about what, what they might laugh, they might talk. I lift that off, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what other people say don't live your life according to what other people say. Live your life according to what God says. Might get it wrong. Yeah, you will get it wrong. Good. Get lots of things wrong. Go back and get grace and forgiveness. Go back and do it next time right and different. Don't be held back. I, I declare to you in the name of the Lord Jesus: you will not be held back. You will be released. As you, as you don't hold on, you will not be held back. Be somebody who doesn't hold on so you're not held back. That you will be brought forward into the future that the Lord has for you. You don't hold on to things. You let them go. You give them to God because that's worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If this is a new thing for anybody and you've never really done that before, I've written a book, I'll work it out. And... Uh be attractive cover on the way out the guys at the back will have one of those just take one of those unless you want one now in which case some of them have got them but if you want to thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org forward slash media